Alhamdulillah, we find ourselves in a new Islamic month, the Hijri month of Dhul Hijjah. This is a very significant month as we're aware. Uh, this is the month in which Hajj takes place. And also for those of us who are not in Hajj, it's also a very important month. In one narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is reported to have said, إِنَّ لِرَبِّكُمْ فِي أَيَّامِ دَهْرِكُمْ نَفَحَتْ فَتَعْرِضُوا لَهَا لَعَلَّهُ أَنْ يُصِيبَكُمْ نَفْحَةٌ مِنْهَا فَلَا تَشْقَوْنَ بَعْدَهَا أَبَدًا Recorded by Imam Al-Tabarani in his Al-Mu'jam Al-Kabir. So in this narration, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reported to have said that indeed your Lord has, throughout the days of your lives, different breezes that He sends upon you. And I've shared this hadith many times before and this is very appropriate for the seasons that we find ourselves in. Indeed your Lord has... In the days throughout your lives, the seasons in your lives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends breezes upon you. Make sure that you gain this breeze of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Present yourselves in front of the breeze. Perhaps if you get that breeze from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will not experience misery or you will not experience misfortune after this ever again. So this is an analogy that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is sharing with us. If you can imagine yourself in Arabia in the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, predominantly extremely hot weather throughout the entire year, their cold days are our summer days, or you know, the days like this would be cold in, in Arabia. So the very hot days, and there's no electricity, there's you know, receiving water from wells, and maybe you can spritz some water on yourselves. The way they used to have cooled and chilled water is they would uh, sometimes place water in a water bag and hang it. And then when wind blows, then that water would get cooled. They didn't have any uh, method to chill their water. Or they would have these uh, clay pots. And what, what that does is it prevents the water from getting heated by the sun. And when wind passes, even if it's hot wind, it will cause that to become cold. So they would have things like that. So for them, a breeze was very important. Imagine, so hot, there's no form of a fan, maybe you can make a paper fan or something, or if you're extremely wealthy, you would have people with, I don't know, the date palm leaves, you know, uh, fanning you. But for the vast majority, it was very hot. So for them, a, a beautiful breeze that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends was a huge ni'mah, and they would love to stand in front of that. And perhaps you can imagine a person at home, they would call everyone at home, let's go outside, there's a nice breeze. They just stand out there while the breeze blows over them. And it's a, a nice refreshment. And that's why they, they have a special name for after Fajr winds. They call them the Nasim. Nasim. Nasim means the, the cool air that takes place after Salatul Fajr, or around that time. We, we all have experienced this if, you know, right after Salatul Fajr you step outside, it's a different environment. It's very cool and very uh, comforting. And you don't get this later on throughout the day. So they had a special name for it, which shows its significance in their culture. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is giving us an analogy with this uh, environment that they had and the 
you know, the, the value that they placed on uh, these breezes. So he says, what is the analogy? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also sends breezes to you in your lives. And he's referring to seasons. There's seasonal breezes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. So make sure you get that breeze. Don't let it pass by. Call everyone in your house. If you feel the breeze and go out there, stand there, take that refreshment. If you get it, perhaps never in your life again you will feel uh, any kind of misfortune. So what is Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa referring to here? He is talking about certain times, certain places, certain things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us on a seasonal basis. One such example is Ramadan. This is a seasonal thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends to us on a yearly basis. If I want to have Ramadan, you know, three months after, I cannot. Yes, I can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshiping Allah is valuable at all times. But the reward that I would have gotten on Laylatul Qadr, I cannot get that throughout the year. Because this is a breeze of Allah and He decides when He sends His breezes. We just must be prepared and present ourselves before the breeze. And inshallah, once we get that breeze, we will have fortune from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One such breeze that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends on a yearly basis is right now. Alhamdulillah, we find ourselves in the first few days of Dhul Hijjah. This is the last Islamic month. So the 12th month in the Islamic calendar is Dhul Hijjah. And after this month, the new year will begin, which is Muharram. That is a new year. But this month is very significant. As we all know, the, the Hujjaj are currently in Mecca and they're preparing for the, the Hajj rites. So what is so special about these 10 days? In one narration, and actually many narrations, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions, for those who are not in Hajj, right? So we're not in Hajj right now, we're here. But what do we get? What is significant about this time period for us? Because we know for those who go for Hajj is a great amount of significance. Uh, the, the, and as we have been speaking about in the last few khutbahs, the commemoration of the life story of Ibrahim alayhi salam, this takes place in Hajj, from everything from the Sa'i, meaning or the Tawaf itself, you're circumambulating around the, the Kaaba Sharifa, you're doing the Tawaf. This is the, the house that was built by Ibrahim alayhi salam and his son Ismail alayhi salam. After the Tawaf, what do we do? We pray behind what's called Maqam Ibrahim. There is this uh, place in the Haram itself where when Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail alayhi salam were building the Kaaba, they, Ibrahim was given the stone and he would stand on the stone and it would allow him to reach the higher portions to build the Kaaba itself. As we know, the Kaaba is very tall, uh, very high. And so Ibrahim he didn't have a ladder. He would have the stone that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made for him and it would allow him to reach those high stages. And we still have that. So it's there. Imagine Ibrahim maybe 10,000, 15,000, Allahu alam, how long ago he lived. You know, Musa maybe 5,000 years ago. Isa some 2,000 years ago. Ibrahim some way before that. We still have his footprint. It's preserved in that stone. His footprint is there. And that is what we call Maqam Ibrahim. It's encased in the Mataf, the area where we do Tawaf around the Kaaba. So what, what do we do? We do the Tawaf around the Kaaba. It's a commemoration. Of course, this is Ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that Kaaba was built by Ibrahim and his son Ismail then after the tawaf, we do seven times, you go behind the maqam Ibrahim. This is the footprint of Ibrahim in that stone. We still have it. It's encased. If you go there, you can see it. And it's recommended to perform salah behind there after you do your, your tawaf. So again, 
commemoration of Ibrahim Alayhisam's story and his sacrifices. Thereafter, what do we do? We do the, what's called the Sa'i. You walk from Mount Safa to Mount Marwa, you do this seven times. This is a commemoration of what Hajar السلام, did, the wife of Ibrahim السلام, the mother of Ismail السلام. So she went from one mount to the next, looking for water for her child uh, in a time when that entire area was in absolute desert. So again, we're commemorating that action. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved their action so much that He made it a form of worship for us to commemorate their sacrifices and to teach us and to remind us that if you want to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can do this through sacrifice. This is the, the spirit of sacrifice, uh, which is the spirit of hajj. And every stage of hajj itself is a commemoration of something that happened with Ibrahim Whether it is the pelting of the stones, all of these things. So there's so many wisdoms behind, behind the hajj and so many spiritual benefits that we can take from it if we look into it and see the history behind it. But that's not exactly what I wanted to share today. That is for those who are going into Hajj. There's a lot of wisdoms, a lot of lessons that they can take. But for us that are not in the Hajj, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq, the blessing, the, 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 the ability to go for Hajj multiple times throughout our lives. We should aim to go more than once, inshallah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. It's really a call that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is giving us and we have to answer that call inshallah of course in today's environment we don't know who's going to be chosen there's a lottery system but we should attempt inshallah if we, if we have the means we should go more than just once we shouldn't view it as a burden rather I am answering the call of my Lord and going to fulfill this commandment and some actually say in some narrations when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in the Quran where Ibrahim alayhi salam made the Kaaba Sharifa and then in Surah Al-Hajj Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him to make a call to all of the people. And they will come on their camels, they will come from every portion of the earth answering that call. Some scholars also say when Ibrahim made this call, he made a call out loud that, you know, come for Hajj, come to worship your Lord after he made the Kaaba. Some scholars say that all of us who are meant to go for Hajj, may Allah make it all of us, but in the backs of our ancestors, our ancestors were alive at that moment. Who was going to, you know, who we came from, they were alive at that moment. So whoever they were, we were in their, their you know, their, their backs and their spiritual souls. We were part of them. And those of us who will go for Hajj, we answered that call even at that time that Ibrahim made. So it's, it's, it's a real privilege if a person is able to go more than once. That means that they've called, they answer that call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So regarding ourselves that are here not going for Hajj, there's a very beautiful hadith and many hadith in this regard. Uh, Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, he narrates this through the chain leading up to Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا مِنْ أَيَّامٍ الْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ فِيهَا أَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَيَّامِ Rasulullah is reported to have said, There is no days in which good actions is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than these days. He's referring to these ten days, the first, uh, first third of Dhul Hijjah. And we're in this moment right now. Dhul Hijjah has uh, started, I believe it was yesterday. Yesterday, if Eid is going to be Saturday, inshallah. Not tomorrow, next week, Saturday. So we're already in Dhul Hijjah. 
So in this narration, which is in Al-Bukhari, he says that good actions are most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these days. Now, there is no exception here. He's not making any kind of exception. So that means some scholars actually debate. Is, are these 10 days greater in virtue than Ramadan? The fact that they bring this up in their debate and in their scholarly discussions should indicate something. I'm not going to say which one is better, Ramadan or these, but if they're discussing this issue, it's something to discuss. It means that, that there is a great amount of virtue in these days. If you're saying, okay, is the last 10 nights of Ramadan more virtuous or the 10 days of the Hijjah? Which means they're, they're probably very close in virtue. So it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a second Ramadan. That's how we should view it. And we could even view it this way that in Ramadan, we've made a lot of promises to ourselves. That's generally what happens. We're in a spiritual environment. We feel the nur that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with because of the taraweeh, because of the fasting, because of all of the sadaqat and all of the various types of uh, ibadah that we do. We feel a certain way and then we may have made a, a promise. And Ramadan is to Muslims how uh, you know the kuffar view New Year's. Right? They, they make these resolutions. I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to uh, become more healthy this year. I'm going to learn more this year. A Muslim, they'll say, okay, this is Ramadan. I need to change my life. It's a time of introspection. It's a time in which we reflect. And then we, we naturally will make these oaths to ourselves. So we make all these oaths. Inshallah, I will start this new amal, this new action. I will be perseverant in it. Every day I'm going to read Surah to Yasin, for example. Every day I'm going to recite this much Quran or give this much Sadaqah, etc., etc. Right? We, we may have made these promises to ourselves. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do out of His mercy? He gives us almost two months to let us see how we have held up on those promises. Oftentimes what happens, I'm speaking about myself, there's many promises that are made. I'm going to change. The Hajjud is going to be a daily affair. I'm going to make a dua for this many minutes daily. And so the first month, alhamdulillah, or at least the first week, we're, per, you know, we're perseverant, we're doing it. Then something happens, it's summer, the day, the nights are very short, it's hard to wake up for tajud, you miss a day. You say, inshallah, I won't miss anymore, you miss a few more days, and then we get a little bit weaker naturally. Ramadan is an environment that we cannot replicate, it's just, there's some spirituality that is happening there, and we're on a different level. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this time period to see, can you, can you do this? These promises that you've made to yourself that you're going to worship Allah more, you're going to change, you're going to get better, let's see how you keep up. And if you've kept up, then Alhamdulillah, that's amazing. Keep it going. But then you get, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us these next 10 days in Dhul Hijjah. This is a renewal. It's like a second Ramadan to, you know, cause that spark to come back. The spark that was lit in Ramadan, we're allowed to get that spark back in these 10 days. And that's how we should view it. It's a mini Ramadan, if you will. Because of this hadith is saying that there's no days in which Allah loves to be worshipped other than these days. Which means it's another Ramadan. Let us renew that fervor that we had during Ramadan. If we've made those promises, let us re, you know, get back into it. Allah's forgiving us in a sense that, inshallah, we can reinstate that, uh, those, those uh, promises that we made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a very good way to view it. Let us take this opportunity. Already two days are gone. We have a few more days. 
And of course, the tenth itself, when we say Ashr of Dhul Hijjah, the ten days of Dhul Hijjah, we're not talking about the tenth because the tenth is Eid itself. So it's really nine days of Dhul Hijjah in which we in which we worship uh, greatly, uh, and we're highly encouraged to do so. So continuing on with this Hadith, right? So the Hadith was, there's no days in which Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala loves good and righteous actions more than these days, in reference to the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, the month which we are in now. So then the Sahaba, they asked Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, Walal Jihadu Fi Sabilillah. Oh Rasulullah, you said that these, the actions that you perform on these days are greater than any other action. What about Jihad Fi Sabilillah? A person goes and they fight for Allah and then they die, or, or they, they, they fight for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, because you've told us that this is a very great action. And they know through the ayat of Qur'an and many different ahadith, the exhortation of Rasulullah sallallahu and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this cause and the great reward it holds. So this was a question, a legitimate question that they had. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, وَلَا الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا رَجُلًا خَرَجَ بِنَفْسِهِ وَمَالِهِ لَمْ يَرْجِعْ مِنْ ذَلِكَ بِشَيْءٍ There's only one exception. These, in these 10 days, your salah, your fasting, your sadaqah, your recitation of Qur'an, it's so valuable, it's greater than a person who had went for jihad. It's greater than that. SubhanAllah, we can get the reward, even though we've never done that, we've never gone, but we can get that reward, just by performing your salah, giving your zakah, giving, uh, doing your actions. But Nabi Wasallam made one exception. The only exception, your actions cannot beat this. The so person, he went, jihad fi sabilillah, and he died. He died. So for that, you, we cannot reach that level of a martyr. You will not get the reward of a shaheed in these 10 days. But if this person returns home, then you can get that reward. Imagine that amount of reward, just the actions that we're doing on a daily basis, as long as we avoid sin and we're engaged in good actions, you can have this reward. This gives us a great amount of hope. And like we said, that, that hadith, this is a breeze of Allah. He decides when he sends his breezes. You must stand in front of those breezes and get that blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one of them. Let us not lose this opportunity. Right? And, you know, if a person's really wise, I'm not, you know, uh, advocating this. But if they know exactly when to worship Allah, they can focus extremely on those days. And throughout the year, I mean, keep a steady level. I'm not saying do sin, but just keep a very low level of a'mal. When it comes time for Ramadan, the last 10 nights of Ramadan, the 10 of uh, Dhul Hijjah, some few days throughout the year, if you don't miss these days, then this is a, a, an extreme form of getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we just have to be smart about how we, we go about worshipping Allah. You know, they say that uh, work smart, not hard. There's a difference between working hard, someone could be a lumberjack and working really hard day in and day out, they get very little wages. And someone can be extremely smart and know exactly what to do, when to do, and then relax for the rest of their lives. So this is the same concept here. Allah's giving us these special days. If you get them, you're very lucky. And so what we should do is worship throughout the year, but don't miss these opportunities. And another narration, another version of this hadith. So the first version of the hadith that I've mentioned, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, he says that Rasulullah sallallahu said, that Allah loves actions on these days more than any other in, in the year. 
There's another narration in which the word afdal is used instead of ahab. Ahab means Allah loves these actions on these days. Afdal means the actions done on these days are greater in virtue than any other time. So some scholars, they, they mention what is the benefit of these two variations. When we say that actions are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means that if you were to perform salah outside of these 10 days, you will get a certain reward. That same salah, if you were to perform in these 10 days, the level of reward is greater. The level is, why? Because Allah loves that action in these days. So the very same actions that we are doing outside of Dhul Hijjah, we will get for that same action, many more rewards, inshallah. This is the benefit of Ahabbu ilallah, it's more beloved to Allah in these 10 days. Now that there's another narration that instead of more beloved to Allah, the word more uh, greater in virtue is used. Afdal, greater. So scholars say, what is the benefit of this? It means we're not talking about the same action. Like if you were to do salah outside of Dhul Hijjah and inside, but rather an action that is considered less than another outside of Dhul Hijjah will be even given a higher level. What does that mean? For instance, the, the hadith. A person performs salah outside of Dhul Hijjah. And we always know that you know salah has a certain level of uh, reward. But jihad fi sabilillah is, is incomparable. It's one, you know, something a person is giving their life up for Allah. You cannot really compare the two. But it's afdal, meaning that if you just do salah in Dhul Hijjah, then compare that with the jihad outside of Dhul Hijjah and the salah is going to be greater. So it's, it's a huge amount of reward, meaning not only is the same action done outside of Dhul Hijjah more rewarding in Dhul Hijjah, but an action which is considered lesser than a greater one is, becomes greater in Dhul Hijjah than outside. I hope that that is clear that uh, a salah done in Dhul Hijjah has a reward of a jihad outside of Dhul Hijjah. And a salah done in Dhul Hijjah has more reward than a salah outside of Dhul Hijjah. Meaning the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. It's not the entirety of Dhul Hijjah, the first 10 days. And when we say the first 10 days, actually the first nine, right? The first nine. Because the 10th is Eid, that's the day of celebration. As we can see, like uh, there is a certain trend. We have two holidays, and that is the two Eids Eid al Fitr and this coming Eid al Adha. Preceding the Eids, there's a, a, a stress to do a lot of ibadah. Because Allah is saying that you know you're going to have a holiday. And that's, you know, enjoying a holiday, it means much more when you've toiled. That is why believers are allowed to retain their memories of dunya when they're in Jannah. We're not going to forget. Once you pass away, you're going to be in the grave, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. You'll remember the things that you've done. You won't forget. You'll know the people that you've met. You'll speak to them on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Even in Jannah, the believers will reminisce. They will talk to each other and say, hey, remember we were together we did this and this action together. They will talk about all of this. So you won't lose your memories. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do this? Because the fruits of Jannah will have so much more meaning when you remember the toil that you went through. When you remember the difficulties of the dunya. When you remember all of those people who were saying that Islam is not true. They were cursing Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, etc., etc. You remember that and you're in Jannah right now. And you can see where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is. He has the highest level in Jannah. It's called Al-Wasila. We make dua uh, for Nabi ﷺ to have this level after Adhan. We, in, in that dua of Adhan, we ask Allah to give Nabi ﷺ something called Al-Wasila. Wasila is the highest level in Jannah. No one but him will have this level, inshallah. So, you know, when, when you remember all of this in the dunya, 
and believers will be allowed to see the people in Jahannam. They will be allowed, so those people who perhaps they have harmed you, perhaps they spoke bad about deen, the enemies of Islam, the enemies of Islam, they will, you will be able to see them. And that, you know, in a sense, for those who were uh, tormented and punished, it will be uh, a sense of uh, peace in a sense. We're not advocating that, you know, I get peace from seeing people in torture, but to know that you were right and you had patience, all of that, there's a great meaning behind it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to retain our memories. All of this I'm saying because when you go through a level of toiling, then the celebration is all the, all the much greater. And that is why we see 10 days, Ramadan, a full Ramadan, but especially the 10 days before the Eid al-Fitr. And that's when we exert ourselves to the maximum. There's narrations that Nabi Wasallam would exert himself, himself so greatly in these last 10 nights of Ramadan, he would not waste any time. Some narrations actually say that he would only eat once. He would actually cut his two meals, meaning the iftar and the suhoor, to just one meal in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. And he would do many other actions and he would exert himself to the maximum. So we find that in Ramadan, the last 10 nights, a great amount of toiling and then that Eid it has a different taste to it. There's going to be a lot of you know, excitement and a lot of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after we've gone through that toiling. The same thing now. This is the, the 10 days preceding Eid al-Adha. We are meant to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're, we're meant to worship Him as we have done in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. So there's a, a sim- similitude in the two. And that will cause our Eid al-Adha to be that much greater. So what kind of things can we do in this time period? In another narration, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah says, وَالْعَمَلُ فِيهِنَّ يُضَاعَفُ The actions done in these 10 days are multiplied by 700. Multiplied by 700 rewards. And that's narrated by Imam al-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah. Can you imagine that, you know, normally, the normal situation, and this is a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we definitely don't deserve this. On a normal day, not in Dhul-Hijjah, not in Ramadan, any action you and I do will be multiplied by 10. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares this in the Qur'an. مَنْ جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا Anyone who does a single good deed, they will be rewarded 10. That's the bare minimum. And if we do a sin, we only get one sin. So this is a huge mercy from Allah. And this is the barakah and the blessing of being in the ummah of Muhammad We didn't ask for it. We were born in this ummah. And Allah loves Muhammad so much that we get the perks of being in the ummah of Nabi Previous ummahs, they didn't have this. So back then, it used to be you do, do a good deed, it's one. You do a sin, that's one. We have you do a good deed, it's ten. And you do a sin, it's only one. But in these 10 days, a good deed is multiplied in this narration of Ibn Abbas by 700. Not 10, but 700. So it's only our loss if we don't increase our ibadah and our worship. And remember, performing your fard salah is ibadah as well. Doing the fara'id and what is necessary from us, that is also ibadah. So we won't be at a total loss, but it's only logical that we try to increase our amount of worship in these days. Okay, so regarding the uh, fasting on these days. So many scholars highlight that we should fast on all of the days, if possible. Whichever days we can, you know, we all know our situations, what we can handle. Try to fast. 
And there's an added emphasis of fasting the day preceding Eid. There's a narration in Sahih Muslim that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa speaks about the Yom Arafah. Yom Arafah is the ninth of Dhul Hijjah. And inshallah that will be next Friday, the coming Friday, a week from now, that's Yom Arafah. At the bare minimum, we should all try to fast on that day. And some, uh, the, the, some people have asked, is it makru just to fast on Friday? This is an opinion in uh, some, some madhahib that some scholars have said that uh, it's makru to single out Friday. But the, the more popular opinion, the more uh, agreed upon opinion is, if you don't consider this special, then it's not an issue. Meaning, if on every Friday you say, it's Friday, so I must fast. It can become a bid'ah because Nabi ﷺ didn't specify Friday. He didn't say that Friday you must fast on it. So if I specifically say, I'm going to fast because this is a super special day and I'm going to get special reward, that's not permissible. But if you just feel like you want to fast and it happens to be a Friday, then there's nothing wrong with that. So although Yom Arafah falls on a Friday, you can single it out. You don't have to fast the Thursday before if you don't feel like it. But you can. You can. And it's more beneficial. Every single day that we fast in these 10 days, if you can do all of them, that would be the best situation. Why? Because you're getting a 700 time reward of fasting. And if you can do Qiyamul Layl, meaning Tahajjud Salah, if you can do it every night, then do so. If you cannot, the bare minimum, they say that the night preceding Eid, that's a very special night. Both of the Eids, Eid al-Fitr after Ramadan and Eid al-Adha, those are very special nights, the preceding night. To worship on those nights is uh, very important. So that's a bare minimum we should do. But if you can fast every single day, and Bismillah, that's great. If not, every other day, or two or three days, whatever amount you can do. We have to try our best. So that's something that we can do, fasting on these days. Of course, not fasting on the 10th, because the 10th is Eid. We do not fast on Eid. It's not permissible to fast on the Eid itself. But proceeding up till the 9th, and the 9th especially, there's a, a hadith, and this is recorded in Sahih Muslim as well. Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi was asked regarding Yom Arafah. This is the ninth, which will be next Friday, inshallah. He said, يُكَفِّرُ السَّنَةَ الْمَاضِيَةَ وَالْبَاقِيَةَ Fasting on the day of Arafah will remove the sins of the previous year and that which is to come. This, the sins that we have committed in the previous year preceding the Arafah. They'll be forgiven. And that which remains. Meaning the sins that are to come. And then he was asked regarding Ashura. That is another day that will come inshallah. We'll talk about it then. He said it will be an expiation and a means of forgiveness of only the previous year. Not the years to come. But for Arafah he says the previous years and the years to come. Now what does this mean? Scholars say whenever we have a promise from the Quran and the Hadith from... Okay, so uh, there's a U-Haul truck that is blocking the uh, entire road. So this could be a problem if there's a, a brother here that was U-Haul truck that is. Please attend to that. So regarding Psalm Yom Arafah, the scholars say whenever you get a promise in the Quran and Hadith about forgiveness, you hear something, you say this, all of your sins are forgiven. The, the, it's nuanced. What it means is the minor sins. Because we are told, and this is in the Quran and Hadith that you know, scholars have seen, that for major sins we have to do tawbah. If you want a major sin to be forgiven, uh, 
and you know we can go into that discussion later on what are the major sins but if we're committing major sins we must do tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repent and inshallah then those will be forgiven so if you want all of your sins to be forgiven on these occasions such as Arafah fast on Yom Arafah and do tawbah that's basically all we have to do and everything will be forgiven your minor sins your major sins inshallah and then Eid al-Adha will come and you will have no sins in your account and this is a huge ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He makes it easy for us. And we are blessed to be in the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So fasting, every, whichever days we can, but especially at least the ninth of Dhul-Hijjah, let us fast on that. There's a promise made to us in the hadith that our previous years of sin and the coming years will be forgiven. We should couple that up with the tawbah. We should fast on Yom Arafah and we should do tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, then everything will be forgiven. What else can we do in these few days? Of course, perform our salahs on time in jama'ah, if possible, in the masjid as well. And a lot of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَذْكُرُ اسْمَ اللَّهِ فِي أَيَّامِ مَعْلُومَاتِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the days of hajj and we should increase our dhikr in these days, our remembrances of Allah. And what does that entail? Recitation of the Qur'an, even reading a translation of the Qur'an is a form of dhikr. Or reciting La ilaha illallah, which is called the tahleel, many times. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Taking some time out to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you listen to a lecture, this is also a form of dhikr. All of these should be done in these days, inshallah, preparing us for that great celebration, which is our Eid. So, inshallah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to worship Him on these days. A few of these days have already passed. Let us understand the value of these. This is a mini Ramadan, if you will. And scholars, like I mentioned before, they actually go into a scholarly debate. Is the, are these 10 days greater than a Ramadan? If they're making this scholarly debate, it means that it has a great amount of virtue. And some even say that the way they, they reconcile the two, they say the last 10 of Ramadan, the nights are greater. The first 10 of Dhul Hijjah, the days are greater. That way, we don't contradict any of the text because we know that the last 10 nights are what are praised of Ramadan. And when it comes to Dhul-Hijjah, days are the word that is, uh, that is used for these 10 days. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to really use our time wisely. Whatever amount we have, we have a little break. You just remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, listen to a lecture, listen to the recitation of Qur'an. Uh, you know, join any kind of programs we see around some of the scholars they may be discussing things or having any kind of uh, gathering. Remember the gatherings of dhikr and these gatherings where if we find a scholar, they're doing, uh, you know, some kind of program. That is considered a gathering of dhikr. And a gathering of dhikr, we, we understand in the hadith that all of the, the participants will be forgiven. So there's so many chances for us to get the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to bless us in these beautiful days and we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us this opportunity and these different breezes that he allows to come to us and opportunities that he gives us throughout the year and hopefully inshallah we can maximize on this uh, and, and get that 700 times reward wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala ala khiri khalqihi muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa rahmatika ya arham rahim